I don't think anybody, you know, from Jameis Winston to Cesar Ruiz to Jamal Williams to all, all 11 players on the field, I, I don't believe that was a, you know, an FU to Dennis Allen or anything like this. It was DA not understanding how important this moment was to those guys and them take, kind of taking matters into their own hands. For, former Saints tight end Ben Watson um, made, made, uh, made the observation um, on social media. He said, anytime your, the players are not executing the call that the head coach is making or the assistant coach is making, uh, you, you, you've lost that situation. You've lost that locker room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of, that's kind of what it seems to be at. And, you know, if there's a, uh, a, a purge coming to get those guys out of here that are not in lock, that are not, you know, doing what DA says, then I think that's what the Saints are prepared to explore. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by the managing editor of USA Today's Saints Wire, and that is John Sigler. We have reached the offseason portion of this program, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss out on any content leading up to free agency in the draft. John and I, we're not going anywhere. Might not be week to week all the time. So just, again, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our stuff as we continue working here. But hey, John, how's the offseason treating you so far? We're a couple days in now. Oh, man, it's been headaches for the most part. <laughs> um, you know, leave it to Dennis Allen to beat the Falcons with the largest margin of victory we have ever seen in the history of this rivalry and make it nothing about that. We've spent two, two days now uh, j- just discoursing about you know, him apologizing after the game and, you know, Jameis Winston getting grilled harder than Derek Carr ever got uh, got hit by the media. And it, it, it's just been one thing after the next. And we really haven't had time just to sit here and, you know, evaluate it and, and, t- and look back at the last four months and look at what's coming up next. And we're, we're finally at a time now where we can we can take a breath, uh, look, look around a bit and, you know, try and get a feel for uh, what what might be coming down the pipeline for the Saints team. Yes, and we're 100% going to do that. But, John, I can't help myself because that Week 18 slate across the NFL was really not that great, right? There was just not a lot of great games. Even, like, the drama around, like, the Dolphins and Bills game on Sunday night, kind of some air came out of the balloon when the Bills ended up clinching the thing anyway because the Jags just could not take care of business against Tennessee. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of juice there in week 18, except for Dennis Allen and Arthur Smith and like the shouting match at midfield from Arthur Smith. And then D.A. Apologize, apologizing to the Atlanta Falcons, which I know just completely pissed off the fans. And just to set the stage real quick, I'm, I'm sure the vast majority of people listening know what happened. But just to set the stage in case you didn't know what happened, 4117 Saints late fourth quarter, Tyron Matthew hauls in an interception at his own 25-yard line, brings it all the way back to the one-yard line. It's a literal party inside you know, the building in New Orleans. It's just you know, so much fun. The Saints are blowing out the, the Falcons. Uh, DA sends Jameis out there to kneel on the ball in the victory formation. A little over a minute left in the ballgame. Uh, the guys, I guess, have tell DA, hey, we want to get Jamal Williams in the end zone for his first touchdown as a Saint. Obviously, he was the touchdown leader last season with the Fal- uh, Lions. I'm sorry. They wanted to get him his first of this season. DA says, nah, I don't think so, guys. Go kneel on the ball. Let's let's go home. Uh, but Jameis and the and the guys decide in the huddle, oh, F that. We're going to drop our own play out of the victory formation. Deceive our coach, John. And we'll deal with the consequences later. We're getting our guy a touchdown. 
it was probably the most hilarious thing I've seen happen at a football game. Uh, and my favorite story of week 18 by far, because again, that was a lame ass slate overall. Uh, but John, I, I got to get your, your, just your overall take on this because you were very vocal on Twitter. You were must see TV on Twitter. After this happened, you said something along the lines of the first fun thing the saints do. And, uh, uh the funnest thing the saints do all season. And here's DA, you know, taking a crap all over it. Or I'm paraphrasing. Obviously you, worded it way much more eloquently than that. But give me your take on this. Dennis Allen throwing his players under the bus, apologizing to Arthur Smith, who yelled at him at midfield and apologizing to the Falcons after the game. I know fans, they they weren't able to enjoy this victory like they should, John, because their coach ruined it by apologizing to the Falcons. And that's hard to stomach, right? Yeah, it was wild, man. Like like we had all of five minutes maybe to you know, jo- joke around a bit and enjoy it and, and and begin to think that, oh gosh, you know, maybe maybe DA is starting to get it. Maybe he is, you know, understanding the culture that Sean Payton built that he that he was expected to maintain. And then he immediately reversed course and was like, I oh, don't know, that's not who we are. That's not what we do here. And it's like, who the, where the hell have you been for the last 10 years, dude? Like, like Sean Payton didn't apologize to Mike Smith whenever he called up a Texas route for Darren Sproles to help help Drew Brees uh, break the all, the all time passing yardage record. Like he didn't go and apologize to the Falcons for that. What are what are you doing apologizing to them now? Like I know that he probably had some sympathy for Arthur Smith. He he knew that, 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 that this was one that, that these were the final hours of this guy having this job, and I'm sure he felt some sympathy for him there. But my guy, like shoot him a text after. Like, 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 Talk to your players in private. Do, by no means do you have to apologize to your your team's arch rivals here, and then chastise your players on a public stage. Like, like that is that is such loser behavior, and just totally runs against everything that you know made this team what it is. I, I mean, Sean Payton didn't apologize to Malcolm Jenkins and Doug Peterson uh, whenever he called up the the Alvin Kamara wheel route on a fourth and seven when he was mm-hmm. up. By, by, not 30 points or whatever it was. Um, that's not what this team is. That, that, that's not what this team's identity has been. Like they, they are a, you know, they have been, let me correct myself here. They were, when, when, when they were a good team, they were, you know, brash and cocky and arrogant and sometimes to the point of stupidity and, and hurting themselves. But that's who they are and that's what made them great. And that's what got them so engaged with the fan base and D.A. just does not understand that on, like, a fundamental level. I, I mean, he grew up a Falcons fan. Uh, he, I think it was either his dad or his granddad played for Atlanta uh, when he was a child growing up. And he just – he does not have that in him. He does not have that dog in him. Like, like he, he cannot hate this Falcons team. And he he's expressed to, to God and everybody that he has no interest in learning how to. Like, like he, he's, he doesn't get it, and he's never going to get it. And he, he wants to do things his way, not Sean Payton's way. And I have been waiting for 72 hours now for somebody to say, well, Dennis Allen isn't Sean Payton because you're goddamn right. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And it's uh, burden language there, but, but come on, like this is, this is who this guy is. Like, like he's a career loser. Like he's, he, he's been a head coach five seasons and he finally, finally has a winning record. Uh, in, in one of those five years, and it's by a single game. Like, that's who he is. And he, 
win or lose, and he lo- he loses a lot. He wants to do things his way, and that means you know nailing out the clock and respectfully shaking hands at, mid- at midfield and going about our business. And it's 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 just loser behavior, man. Like th- that does not motivate people. That does not you know get them going. That does not you know establish a, a culture of winning football games where you can have that moment to celebrate and enjoy what you have accomplished. And it's just, man, it's, it's just, it's, it's brutal to watch. And it doesn't shock me at all that he's struggling to connect with his players and get guys to buy in. And I think that's going to, in, you know, probably purging those elements that are not buying in. I, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for, for this off season with the saints where, where DA wants this team to represent his values and his vision and the qualities that he feels they, that they should possess. And I think that's going to lead to some departures here in the, here in the months ahead. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The uh, team keeps promising change. And, and what's that change going to be? We're going to get into that here. Uh, just to kind of wrap up the DA and, and Falcon stuff, John, is one thing that I think people are missing, right? Like a lot of people are saying it's the old Bill Belichick line from 2007. There was a game where the Patriots left Tom Brady and the and Randy Moss on the field and Wes Welker. They left them all on the field. They were up like 50 to 14 or something. It was something like that against the Washington against Washington. And they were just, they were keep trying to score, keep trying to score, not punting, going for it. And Belichick after the game was like, well, you know, we're not going to punt. We're up by 45 points. So why would we punt? You know, it was just like, well, you got to stop us. It's our job to score. It's your job to stop us. And a lot of people are saying, Hey, it's the, it's the Falcons job to stop you. A lot of people are bringing that line back, which I think is totally fair. I think the point a lot of people are missing here is that uh, when they call out the Saints for lining up in victory and running a play out of victory and saying that the, the Saints, there was bad sportsmanship to do that to the Falcons, even if it's a rival, it was, you know, potentially you're, you might end up hurting a guy on the defense if they're not uh, firing off the ball. Okay, maybe there's a point there, but I think the point that people are missing, John, is the Saints were never trying to deceive the Falcons here. They were trying to deceive their head coach. They were trying to deceive Dennis Allen because if the Saints just came out and ran a normal formation and ran a play out of a normal formation and punched in that touchdown, I don't think there would be a huge outcry today about it. I really don't this week about it. We wouldn't get this storyline. The reason we got the storyline is because the Saints knew if we come out, if if we just run a play, our coach is going to see it and he's going to call timeout and say, what the bleep are you doing? I said, go out in victory formation. How dare you deceive me, right? They, so the... The reason the Saints had to drop a play out of the victory formation in the huddle, in my opinion, is because they didn't want their coach to know and call timeout. So they wanted to get Jamal Williams' touchdown, which I think is uh, a commentary upon itself, right, John, that the the players do not care what the head coach wants. He's not on the same page as them. They probably told him in some fashion, hey, we want to get Jamal a touchdown here. He didn't want to play ball with that. And they said, F this, we're doing it. Isn't that a commentary on the coach and the player and the relationship there in that locker room? I think that's the that's the biggest storyline. It's not about the Falcons. It was about de- deceiving the coach so he wouldn't call timeout and ruin it, right? And I think I think that is wild when you think about it. Yeah, it is, and it's it's kind of a subconscious thing there where you know I I don't think anybody you know from Jameis Winston to Cesar Ruiz to Jamal Williams to all, all 11 players on the field. I, I don't believe that was a, you know, an FU to Dennis Allen or anything like this. It was DA not 
understanding how important this moment was to those guys and them take, kind of taking matters into their own hands. For, former Saints tight end Ben Watson um, made, made, uh, made the observation um, on social media. He said, anytime your, the players are not executing the call that the head coach is making or the assistant coach is making, uh, you, you, you've lost that situation. You've lost that locker room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of, that's kind of what it seems to be at. And, you know, if there's a, uh, a, a purge coming to get those guys out of here that are not, in lo- that are not you know, doing what DA says, then I think that's what the Saints are prepared to explore. And, man, it, it's, 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 a messy, it's a messy situation for sure. Um, we're kind of going to have to wait and see what the fallout is from it and uh, how, how things develop in the months ahead. But, man, it's... I'll say this much. It's must-see TV, that's for sure. Yes, it is. And I think you nailed it, too, and kind of your opening commentary on this. Like, just when you thought it would be more palatable that the head coach is coming back, a a guy that is, you know, not the most loved, I think, among Saints fans. I think most Saints fans want the team to move on. I know you're one of those people, John. Uh, But, you know, it might have been a little bit more palatable coming out of this game. You win by, like you said, franchise record against the Falcons, 31-point win. You've won four or five to close the season. You made a push, even though it, this wasn't the season anybody wanted. You made a push at the end. You had a chance. You did your part in the last few weeks to get in. Maybe fans are feeling a little bit better going into 2024 with DA, but this obviously uh, throws a wrench in all of that. But let me ask you about Derek Carr. Not the first quarterback in NFL history to change teams and then struggle out of the gates with a new team, right? We've seen that. During the final five games, though, Carr... Completed 74% of his passes, John, through 14 touchdowns, only two picks. Kind of got some things going with Chris Olave. Rashid Shahid, when he came back from his injury, he got things going with him as well. It definitely looked better on offense. Carr looked better. He looked more comfortable. Uh, kind of the things we were hoping to see with Carr in the Saints offense, we started to see there over the last month or so of the year. So should fans be feeling any better about the quarterback? Maybe We'll leave the head coach aside for now, <laughs> but just the quarterback heading into 2024. How you feeling about that? I know you weren't so sure midway through the season. How you feeling now? Yeah, man, I'm certainly feeling more positive uh, now than I was a month ago, two months ago. Um, just seeing what Carr can do when the offense is better tailored to his strengths, uh, it, it, it's good to see. Like, like once the Saints, you know, once once they recognize that hey we we've, we've got one of the better quarterbacks off of play action over the last decade maybe we should use that uh, and, and they started making play action more of a staple um, he, he's been playing really well and they they started using pre snap motion more often and they made it a point to have him throw to the tight ends um, all all of a sudden and so they yeah you know I, I get it I, I see the vision here I see what they see in car and I, I can see a path to success with him as the quarterback. So my, my stance hasn't totally changed. I would still draft one if, 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 if I could, uh, but that's not something I anticipate uh, they're going to consider very seriously. Uh, I, I really think that the focus this off season is going to be about, all, it's going to be all about supporting Derek Carr, getting him more weapons, getting him better protection and see, seeing just how high his ceiling is uh, here in New Orleans. So he, he earned it. There, I, I've said some uh, some positive things about Derek Carr <laughs> after ripping him uh, for much of the season, and uh, uh, kudos to him for for turning it around here down the stretch. You know, no quarterback had more touchdown passes over the last five games than he did, and some of that 
I think is due to the, to the quality of competition. You, you know, the, the Giants, uh, the Falcons, they're, they're not the best pass defenses. But, I mean, credit where it's due, he, he still went out there and made, made plays and put a lot of points on the board. So ho- hopefully he can start that hot in 24 and, uh, keep, and keep it up. Yeah, hopefully that continues. And it goes back to a question we kind of asked earlier in the show, John, but haven't answered yet. And it's that, you know, we know Dennis Allen's coming back for 2024. We know Derek Carr will be the quarterback. That's the plan. Uh, but DA said, again, in his end-of-season presser, hey, we need to make some changes. This hasn't been good enough. Guys like Cam Jordan echoed the same thing. Can't keep finishing 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight and 7-10 and 10 each season. you got to find a way. I think, as Jordan said, we got to get to 10 wins or more each year. But it's it's one thing to keep kind of screaming that into an echo chamber, right? You keep saying, hey, we got to make some changes. But at some point, you actually have to make those changes. Um, what changes do you kind of expect coming, John? Like, what should be the team's number one priority in the offseason as we kind of get into this, you know, get into the 2024 mode here? What's uh, kind of your your gut reaction to that? Yeah, man, it, it's got to start on offense, and it's got to start up front. Like, they have got to get this offensive line right. They have got to, you know, improve the running game, and they need to do – and, and they need to get where they expected they were going to be this year. I mean, that was one of the selling points o- over the summer was, um, you know, we're going to have uh, we're, we're going to have a strong running attack. We want to run the ball we, we, well, um, and that was going to be a point of emphasis. And, and they were going to try and you know keep some pressure off of Derek Carr's shoulders in that way. And it just never happened. It never materialized. Uh, the, the Saints were one of three, maybe four teams. I'd have to go go, go double check. They're one of three or four teams that didn't have a single 20-yard run by a running back all year long. Um, they, they just had no explosion in the running game. They had little consistency there. I mean, look, Alvin Kamara has never really had that extra gear in the open field that guys like Jonathan Taylor have, and that, that's never really been a part of his game. Uh, but he's really limited now to being an efficient, you know, runner, you know, in the uh, – I mean, he, he can get you 10, 12, 15 yards at a time, but he's not going to – He's not going to be the safety down the sideline by any means. Um, Jamal Williams, that's not his game either. I mean, I mean, he had he had four carries of twenty plus yards in twenty twenty two, but he also had like two hundred and sixty two attempts. So, so that that wasn't a big aspect of his game either. So, they just lacked that. I mean, Kendrick Miller showed out in in the season finale. Um, he played pretty well. He had. He had the longest run uh, by a running back on an 18-yard carry uh, <laughs> since Tony Jones Jr. Uh, had a 19-yard carry uh, back in week three. That's a wild um, stat. Wild. Wild, yeah. Yeah. So, look, maybe maybe Kendrick Miller can, can get healthy and stay healthy and be you know be a positive impact on the offense uh, in, in, in the fall. But if I'm the Saints, I've, I've got to get more juice in the backfield. You know, A.K., probably a year or two away uh, from a split with the Saints. Um, can't count on him to be, you know, the only source of big plays there. Uh, Kendry Miller, need to see need to see him, need to see it, you know, need to see him get healthy and stay healthy and, and show up every week. Jamal Williams, looking like a bust. We've got to be honest about this. There's no, there's no, there is no problem in acknowledging that he didn't play like, you know, a top 20 running back, which is what his contract makes him um, this season. It just wasn't there. I mean, he averaged three yards per touch over the course of the season. Like, and, and then that, that's rushes and receptions. So they, they, they've got to get better running backs in there. They, they've got to get younger. They need, they need, they got to get more explosive. 
But the offensive line, man, that, that's got to change. And l- l- looking at it, you know, looking at all the resources they've invested there, all of these, you know, first, second, top 50 uh, draft picks that they've put in there, all of these uh, contracts they've handed out, you know, they, they, they brought in, uh, Doug Marone was brought in as, I believe, the first hire that Dennis Allen made once he was head coach. And that was someone who, who was really lauded at the time as being, oh, man, we, we've got a two-time uh, NFL head coach working with the O-line here. That, that, that's awesome. And they have just regressed year over year. They're, they're not as stout as they once were. And now we're looking at it, and, you know, Trevor Penning looking like a bust at left tackle. Ryan Ramchek might get forced into a medical retirement in, in, in the spring. That's something we're really anxiously waiting for an update on. Um, he's got that uh, degenerative knee condition uh, where the, you know, the, the cartilage in his knee is just eroding away, and he, he might have to hang up his cleats, um, you know, six, seven years sooner than anticipated, than anybody anticipated, including the Saints. So, man, they, they, they need better personnel and better coaches. And so Marone is a guy I'm looking at who might, who might get replaced. Uh, running backs coach Joel Thomas, uh, he's, he's the former um, run game coordinator for the Saints. He, he might be getting out of here too. Um, when you go to talking about big changes, these are what these are the, the departures that I think make the most sense. Now, one guy we know is on New Orleans' radar is uh, John Gruden. Let's get there. And Let's go. Obviously, he was around the team uh, over the summer. He was an unpaid consultant at training camp, OTAs, all, 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 all those summer practices. Uh, the Times-Picayune's uh, Jeff Duncan reported uh, Monday evening that uh, Gruden met with the Saints when they were in Tampa to, a, a week ago and had, had dinner with Mickey Loomis and, and uh, members of the coaching staff. And he, uh, they're, they're, they're obviously, in, there's mutual interest there in having him join the staff. Now, what's interesting is Duncan says that the vision is not for him to replace Pete Carmichael as OC, which is really interesting to me because... I mean, by all accounts, this has just been an awkward setup from day one. I, I mean, you and I have talked before about how Pete Carmichael reportedly didn't want this job. He, he, he wanted to step back, not step up. And so now we're looking at year three with, <laughs> with him in a job he may not really want. <laughs> Poor Pete. Uh, it, it would be an odd fit, you know, for, for, for a lot of reasons. You know, the chief one in my mind is that Gruden is actively suing the NFL right now for defamation and seeking damages to, to his character, his professional career. Um, you know, after that trove of just obscene emails, really attacking pretty much everybody, he covered all the bases. I mean, <laughs> I mean it was the, 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 literally thousands over the course of years of just <laughs> race, racism, homophobia. Um, it was something. If you can think of, if you can think of something horrible, he 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 uh, had a take on it at some point, and so he so he's currently suing the NFL, and so it's like, oh, gosh, would, would the league even approve a contract and? I mean, I know that Brian Flores is in a similar legal situation here. Um, he, he's going after um, discriminatory hiring practices, not, not you know, defending the, uh, the content of, of his racist emails. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's in a similar boat where he's suing the league, and, and obviously he, got, he coached for the Vikings this year. He's beat the Saints uh, twice head-to-head with the, the Vikings and Steelers uh, since the Saints uh, gave him the cold shoulder and hired Dennis Allen instead. Um, so that's something else we gotta gotta explore. So how that would fit, ah, man. Obviously, from a football perspective, there, nobody got more out of Derek Carr than John Gruden did. That's where he got his Pro Bowls. That's where he 
put up his best stats. That's where he won the most games was with Gruden as his coach. And from a pure football perspective, I understand why the Saints are so interested in this. How it would work in practice if Pete Carmichael is still the OC, maybe you call them co-OCs. Maybe you give the, uh, you know, a senior offensive assistant title or something like that. I mean, that's what they had at Bob Dicknell in as uh, this year. So how it works out, I don't know. But what I keep coming back to is how DA got where he is now. That's back in 2015. Uh, Rob Ryan was the D.C. The Saints brought in Allen after the Raiders fired him as the co-D.C. And midway through the season, when the when the defense didn't did not improve, they fired uh, Rob Ryan. They made Dennis Allen the full-time uh, coordinator. And that led us to the situation we're in now, where he turned over, turned the defense around and won enough confidence uh, from the team's decision-makers uh, to be the replacement for Sean Payton. So maybe, maybe that's like the uh, the blueprint for the Gruden experience is we'll bring him in and maybe in, in maybe in 10 months uh, we, we can uh, re- replace Pete C with him. Who, we'll kind of have to wait and see there. But certainly there's mutual interest and it wouldn't shock me at all if that ends up manifesting. Yeah, it's it's a story. You expect Gruden to get another chance somewhere, right, uh, eventually. And John, the Raiders are probably still paying him, right? So you probably wouldn't have to pay Gruden. <laughs> he might get his services for free anyway. I know it was an unpaid, well, he was an unpaid advisor during training camp, but aren't the Raiders probably still paying him? Has it been 10 years yet since he was hired over there? I don't think so. You know, I think that was a condition of of his um, stepping down because they didn't fire him. He, he he resigned. So I'm not sure how that played out with his, his contract there, but it wouldn't shock me at all if there's like offsetting language or... Maybe he's suing them too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Gruden has always been known as a very like as a very passionate guy who who does things for love of the game in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, as far as work, working with players, and there was a big piece uh, about recently about him working with Carson Wentz uh, pro bono um, to try and get him ready for the NFL and to make a comeback. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure they could work something out. Um, it. Honestly, just based off of how everyone has been talking around this, it, it really feels like something's in the works, and it, it wouldn't shock me at all if they end up adding Gruden to the staff. All right, so something to stay tuned on for Saints Wire. Um, another article that popped up on Saints Wire as we kind of wrap up the season, John, is we do know who the Saints are playing next season. We know the opponents because it's just a formula, right, to, to figure that out. So you know your home and away opponents next season. One of the uh, opponents that are coming to Denver, I'm sorry, <laughs> I was Freudian slip there. One of your opponents that is coming to New Orleans is Sean Payton in the Denver Broncos. So uh, my only take on this one is I, can, I, I hope that he really does love this Jared Stidham guy who he keeps telling everybody that's better than Russell Wilson and gives him a better chance to win. So we got to play Jared Stidham. It's like, wow. Okay, Sean, whatever you say. Jared Stidham is better than Russell Wilson. Okay. In, in what universe? But anyway. I can only hope that Stidham is still his quarterback, John, whenever that game is next season when Denver comes to New Orleans. But that'll be a fun one, right? I know it's a long time from now, but uh, Sean Payton coming to New Orleans is going to be a big story next year. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having him back in the Superdome on, 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 the, on the wrong side, on the opposing sideline, um, that's going to be interesting. And, you, you know, so th- there are a couple of revenge game uh you know, arcs to look for here. We've got Sean Payton coming back. We've got Derek Carr playing against the Raiders for the first time in 24. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so see, so certainly there's going to be a lot to watch out for. The schedule is going to be tougher. I, I know the strength of schedule is out, and it's got the Saints with one of the easier slates again. But, I mean, with, with Dennis Allen as coach, I don't think we can ever look at it and say, oh, man, the schedule is so easy this year. We're going to coast up, up to 10, 11, 12 wins. No, that, that, that's just not – that's just not realistic, I think. Um, but, yeah, ha- having Sean Baton back – that that's going to be dramatic, and I know it will because that's that's who Sean Payton is. Like he is a dramatic guy. Like like, like he he literally lives for the drama. I'm, I mean, one of the enduring images of him in, in my in in my head is frozen in my brain is the <laughs> it's the 2017 playoff game against the Vikings in the final seconds here, but before you know what happens. He's turning to the crowd and sarcastically doing the skull clap back at the Vikings uh, fans in, in the lower bowl and just, just egging them on as uh, Stefan Diggs is sprinting down the sideline behind him. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's who Sean is. Like, like, like he, he lives for the drama, and he's going to play this up. And he, even if things split amicably in, with, with the Saints, and by all, all indications they did, um, there's going to be that element to it. And that's something, you know, Saints fans are going to be looking forward to and or dreading uh, for, for the next 10 months. Yeah, there's going to be something there. There's going to be like a, a surprise onside kick or some weird trick play that the Saints ran once upon a time. Like, you got to be ready for anything with him. He's going to pull out all the stops in that game. There's, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, a lot of foolishness coming from Sean Payton from that sideline, that opposing sideline. So we just got to be ready for that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great, man. But I don't know if there's one trick play, John, that you you remember that Sean Payton pulled. I know the the onside kick, he actually pulled that off. The first kickoff of a home game in Denver was the onside kick, the surprise onside kick ambush. So there's something like that's going to happen, right? We can only just wait and and kind of anticipate what that might be. But is there is there a play that, a trick play in your mind that you think Sean might pull out of his bag? There's going to be something. God, I hope it's the uh, <laughs> I hope it's the 2014 uh, end around to the tight end. He tried to run on fourth and one against the Jets that went nowhere. Did it lose three. like 20 yards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he asked uh, poor Josh Hill to take take the end around handoff and and just got destroyed by uh, Rex Ryan's defense. Um, hopefully it's that one. <laughs> I hope that's it. I hope it's not the um, gosh. What was the other one? Well, it was a fourth and two, I think, and he had a fullback dive, but then he had the fullback pitch to Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield at an angle, and he just took off the game like 18, 20 yards, and that was incredible to see. And I, I remember some poor Chicago Bears linebacker just, just punching the air and and uh, crying, just crying out, help me, as he's trying to keep up with AK <laughs> in the open field. Um, hopefully it's not that, <laughs> but... Man, it, it, it's it's going to be wild. But um, we, we have a breaking news alert here. You know, as we're, as we're recording here on Tuesday, um, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that Saints of VP and Assistant GM for College Personnel Jeff Ireland was requested to interview for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, GM position. So that, that's interesting. You know, it's it's possible that the Saints could lose both of uh, Mickey Loomis's uh, lieutenants this season with, with you know. Ireland to the Chargers and uh, Kai Harley potentially to the Panthers. And he, he could lose both of the guys that Saints fans have been hoping would take over for him in, in, in the near future. Yeah, that's a story right there. So, John, I got to let you go so you can write that up for Saints Wire, right? <laughs> Appreciate Appreciate <laughs> yeah. That. So folks should be checking Saints Wire for, for more on Jeff Ireland and other movement. This is the time of year where guys are going to change and, and the Saints are going to make changes and maybe 
maybe changes they don't necessarily want when it comes to Jeff Ireland. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's going to be a lot going on. Saints Wire is the place to be. John and I, of course, will be back throughout the offseason to cover everything, looking ahead to free agency, looking ahead to the draft, looking ahead to what's coming in 2024. Of course, Sean Payton and the Broncos will be there, but we got a long way to go before we get to those games. For John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always. Uh, for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate the support. Again, hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes this offseason if they come at random times. Uh, And we will talk to you next time. 